0: Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 104 of Let's Get Fucking Haunted.
1: But before we get haunted, if you're a new listener and you don't give a fuck or shit about our personal lives, valid. you are valid (laughs) your feelings are valid and look below into the show notes and you'll see the very first line in all caps says skip to this point in order to hear the story so we'll go ahead and skip to that point in order to hear the story however if you would like to hear about our personal lives and some of the let's get haunted community stick around that's right
0: And we'll give you a couple minutes to go into the show notes and look and see that timestamp and click to whatever that time is before we start triggering you with information (laughs) about our personal lives. It could say five minutes. It could say 10 minutes. It could say 15. It could say 15 and a half. What you're going to do is you're either going to hit the plus 30 sign on Spotify or I think also, iTunes has a plus 30. I don't know how Google Podcasts work because I don't have a Samsung, but you could also probably do something similar. Okay, if they're still or around take right now and you just click on the screen and you drag and drop the slider where it says in the episode so that you don't have to listen to us. Have you done it?
1: Wow, the level of passive aggressiveness on this podcast towards people who don't want to hear the intro.
0: Look, I'm trying to be helpful. You're interpreting it (laughs) as being passive aggressive, but I'm just trying to let them know we're gaslighting the new listeners, too. Hey, guys. Hello. Now, hopefully, it's only people who want to hear the intro. Hello. Yeah. Welcome to the
1: show. Hey, guys. We're actually thinking of, once we get everything more set up, doing like a Patreon situation for a podcast that's literally just us bullshitting.
0: Yeah, like a 20-minute intro
1: I don't know, like why to get it out would, of our systems. Wouldn't and, want that. Yeah, putting it, it on it
0: Patreon, maybe for like five dollars a month, or is that too high? I don't know. I don't
1: know. I was thinking about it, and I was like, is six dollars and sixty nine cents too high? I don't. You guys
0: tell. Is four twenty too low? <laughs> <laughs> so is it five? I don't, I don't know. You guys tell us. We don't know. What are what are we worth to you? <laughs> and is it any number at
1: all? <laughs> oh, man. This episode today made me so uncomfortable, but also interested, but also uncomfortable. Oh, all right. Yeah. And I think it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> so is there no intro to this episode? No, Did there is. Did we do all of that for no? No, there is. that's our intro. Oh, I mean, what? A, w- sorry, do you have a better idea for an intro? No, we're two and a half minutes
0: in, though. But I can't talk about the episode? No, you can talk about the episode. I just wasn't sure if it was starting already. And then I thought, well, now we've really gaslit everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we've gaslit both the new people who don't care about the intro and the regular right. people who do.
1: Here, OK, here's the here's the down low for everyone who's really listening to this.
0: I'm still really tired. I'm on like my fourth cup of coffee. It's 9 p.m. So it's we're just going to be... I know I'm not going to sleep again tonight. So this is just bad for my health. I've got right. two meetings I have to run this week that I'm not prepared yeah. for. So if I fuck up my sleep tonight... Oops, everyone, it's like a domino effect, right? Like every week, every day this week is just going to be
1: bad. I am a very similar situation. We're supposed to film that project that I've been working on for a really long time. If you guys don't already know what I'm talking about, uh, I don't care to explain it. I'm basically <laughs> making like a a film or whatever, and we're filming it the end of this week. And everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And, oh no! Yeah, and it's really stressful. But at the same time, I'm already Liam Neesoning. Hell yeah yeah like I just I'm not in that place where things can affect me right now
0: I also feel like sometimes when things just keep going wrong right I like take it as a challenge Mm -hmm. where I'm like oh really like now this happened well guess what I'm gonna fucking make lemons out of the lemon basket that we have in our
1: break room at our
0: accountant's office
1: exactly let me give you a small taste of of, of my week so I'm in the middle of trying to write this episode yesterday my fiance is in Amsterdam right now for his birthday I sent him to Amsterdam on a meditation retreat because he was getting fucking annoying and I was (laughs) like you need to fucking relax oh that's nice of you yeah and it was like a very nice fuck you it was like oh like you're gonna go see your favorite like meditation guy like get the fuck, get the out, fuck of out of life. my hair yeah, yeah you know so I'm by myself with the baby all weekend and taking care of the baby and the baby's taking a nap and I'm trying to finish this episode like all this shit's going wrong with the production and like people are calling me and they're like oh I need to do this for more money and I'm like I don't have more money to give you this is not a commercial thing right like, this was
0: our budget and like we're yeah, at the top of the budget there's nothing
1: left you know and having to rearrange things and now like castings fucked up and uh, just all this stuff you have any personal hauntings
0: nope and I'm ready to hear This episode.
1: Okay,
0: buckle up. I'm buckling, I'm tying the ties of my Let's Get Haunted robe together, and I am comfortable and ready.
1: Quote I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than the poet can help the inspiration to sing. I was born with the evil one standing as my sponsor beside the bed where I was ushered into the world and has been with me since. End quote. Have you ever heard that quote? Do you know that person i've never heard of that quote
0: but i have heard of h.h holmes but i'm interested to hear what you have to say about him i think it's a man Mm -hmm. because what i know about him i always thought he was like fictional i didn't know he was
1: real Mm. is he real yeah he's a real person i mean barely like there you'll as you'll see he was one of the greatest scammers ever really yeah okay the point where it's like we don't know what part of him is fake and what part of him is real oh
0: interesting so maybe that's why i always thought he was a fictitious
1: like thing we had developed in some regards he is that's a perfect segue into this riveting intro i have written for you i'm ready Today we discuss a man of many myths and legends. He is known as America's first serial killer, one of the most intelligent mass murderers of all time. It's believed that he killed at least 100 people. What? Popular estimates at the time place the toll as high as 200. He himself believes he is the reincarnation of the devil. But above all of the sensationalized titles, he is simply the ultimate scammer. Hailed as one of the greatest criminals of his century, Holmes was a serial killer and also a serial liar. His love for exaggeration and bending the truth makes his story almost impossible to verify. Nobody sensationalized Holmes' story more than Holmes himself. Holmes lied so often that even his murder confessions were riddled with inconsistencies. While he awaited execution, Holmes wrote several lengthy confessions at the payment of Hearst Yes, the Hearst Castle guy. The problem with Holmes' confessions was that all of the claims were contradictory. In the confessions, Holmes claims to have killed 27 people. Despite the fact that some of those named were still verifiably alive. Ineffective police investigation and tabloid journalism were often recorded as historical truths, which further complicates Holmes's story. The only thing that remains certain is H.H. H. Holmes was a con artist unlike any other. Holmes was the subject of more than 50 lawsuits in Chicago alone. He was capable of duping hundreds of victims into handing over their most precious assets. And if they didn't, he killed them. Giving an all-new meaning behind the term marrying for money, Holmes was a professional gold digger. He made a living tricking women into marrying him. The only problem was none of those engagements ended with a happily ever after. At least not for the bride. Buckle up because today we untangle the life of America's first serial killer and infamous con artist, H.H. H. Holmes. Do you like how I read that like a news reporter? Yeah,
0: I did. I was actually like picturing you like uh, on the foggy streets of London town (laughs) and you're wearing like a little newsboy cap and you're standing on top of like uh, a wooden back here
1: behind me. And then the constable. (laughs) (laughs) found, <laughs> like, what'd you say, constable? the constable
0: found H.H. Holmes. H.H. Holmes is American, right? But yes. for some reason, his name just, like, evokes, well, like, Jack like the Ripper. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And he does have some ties to Jack the Ripper. Oh, they both lived during the same time.
0: Oh, wow. I'm really excited to learn about this because since I thought it was fictitious, I think I just never looked into it. I think I thought it was just like a novel or right. something.
1: And well, and some people think that because his name was H.H. H. Holmes, he was perhaps related in some way to Sherlock Holmes. Oh. But he wasn't. He he had that namesake years before Sherlock Holmes even came into existence in, the, um, Interesting. in Conan Doyle's like whatever fucking writing shit i don't know i don't know the words you know what i mean yeah i know
0: what you mean it's (laughs) late i know what you mean i'm ready to be regaled and have nightmares
1: herman webster mudgett was born in gilmanton new hampshire may 16th 1861 hey gemini The population of Gilmanton was 3,945 at the 2020 census. So in 1861, there were probably many less people living there. But who's to say? (laughs) Who's to say? The town was small and quiet. Herman's parents were some of the first English immigrants in the area and identified as Methodists. They raised Herman to be religious. A neighbor described Mudgett's family as upright, God-fearing citizens living in a quiet, secluded section of the country. Red flag number one. According to some sources, Holmes was severely mistreated by his parents. It was rumored that his father forced his children into long periods of isolation without food. Some say his father used rags dunked in kerosene to quiet the cries of his children. Other researchers discredit these claims of child abuse as sensationalist tabloid stories And I just wanted to point that out because they say that some of these stories perhaps were remembered as historical facts, but there's no way to verify that.
0: I I could understand that because when you're trying to understand evil, maybe it's human nature to try to explain it away by saying, oh, look at this horrible childhood this person had. It makes it easier for us to digest the horrors of the world. Right. But maybe that wasn't true.
1: Two wrongs doesn't make a right. That's true. Holmes himself wrote of his childhood, quote, That I was well trained by loving and religious parents, I know, and any deviations in my afterlife from the straight and narrow way of rectitude are not attributable to the want of a tender mother's prayers or a father's control, emphasized when necessary by the liberal use of the rod wielded by no sparing hand. So to me, I don't know what that means because he talked about it too much. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Like, I thought the sentence ended and it didn't. And it just kept going. So I don't know. D- does that mean that his father hit him or not? It says father's control emphasized when necessary by the liberal use of rod wielded by no sparing hand. Okay. Yes. That means that means that, he hit him, right? Yeah. With a rod. Right. Why doesn't he just say that? Why does he have to use, like, double negatives and Look, stuff? Look, because
0: he's a fancy, uh, spooky bitch. Right. And he's trying to, like, really enthrall you with flowery words.
1: Right. Like, he's like, oh, if I just write in my biography that my dad hit me... That's not that interesting.
0: I also feel like he's trying to make you like him. You know, like right. look how smart and intelligent and like unlike others I am. Right. <laughs> look how look how quirky. <laughs> like he's like the Zoe De Chanel of serial killers.
1: Oh wow. Herman was the third born child of five children. Other children who knew him in his childhood regarded Herman as shy, quiet, well-behaved, and unremarkable. But perhaps this shy and well-behaved personality was just a front for a young budding con artist. In fact, Herman was accused of stealing small amounts of money from several of his neighbors. However, he denied the accusations even after he was caught with the stolen money. When he was caught red-handed, he told his neighbors that it was all just a misunderstanding. And his neighbors believed him. In fact, most of the adults in Herman's life thought that he was a good child incapable of immorality. It was only later after Holmes had caught the public eye's attention with his legal trouble that some adults testified he seemed dishonest because he quote, never looked them in the eye, However, even that was merely a misunderstanding because Holmes had a medical condition known as strabismus, which was at the time referred to as being cross-eyed. So
0: even if he wanted to look them in the eye, it might give off the illusion that he wasn't making eye contact. Right.
1: And some researchers suggest that the strabismus may have made Holmes have a higher social anxiety and put him at a disadvantage to other children. Here are some photos of Holmes in his adult life for you to see really quick.
0: I just can't believe he's a real person. I don't know why, I thought he was fictitious this whole time. I am looking at a sepia photo of a dude in a Salvation Army outfit. Mm -hmm. So he's wearing a hat that says the Salvation Army that has an eagle on it. Right. Then he has a big, giant, like, walrus mustache. Yeah. Underneath that, he's wearing a uniform that has, like, a little... I'm sorry. It looks like a constable badge. I understand he's American. I understand that this is a Salvation Army uniform, but he just looks like a little like police officer uh, yeah. in london town foggy right. london town
1: it's also weird because i've never seen one of these like salvation army like portrait things I mean, it literally looks like he's in an army like it's like a military yeah. uniform
0: well is- they go they go to different countries right and they right. like do stuff there right but
1: <laughs> Let me ask you a question, though, okay? And I just want you to answer truthfully. If I had not told you about the strabismus thing and you saw this photo of him, would you think that he had any sort of um, strabismus or any sort of cross-eyed or eye optical... Um, situations going on
0: no um, now that you've told me I can look at his eyes and be like well I guess maybe one eye looks like it's looking like slightly off center but the way that this photo is taken he just looks like any dude and he has a little bit of a shadow on his face so
1: what about these
0: Okay, in these photos he looks like Mac from It's Always Sunny when Mac gained a bunch of weight for one of the seasons as Either a joke. Either when he's a
1: little older. Yeah. yeah.
0: Or he looks like a dude wearing a skin suit over his face.
1: But the eyes, it doesn't look like he has any sort of optical disadvantages, right? No, he just looks tired. So that's why I am calling bullshit on this holster business thing because when you look at those photos, he does not look cross-eyed. When I saw these photos, I was like, "Oh my god he's lying about the cross eyes just to get away with not looking people in the eye after he steals from them but i know that there's going to be one of you guys who loses your shit so let me just say this i'm not saying that people with strabismus are faking their condition i'm also not saying that the ability to cross and uncross your eyes is the same as having strabismus i am saying that this man is a con artist so what if he just crossed his eyes as needed to do his scammer work and then through the annals of history it was recorded as historical fact that he had strabismus when in fact he did not. I also want to clarify because most people are familiar with the term cross-eyed which is where the two eyes look inward towards the nose. Calling his condition synonymous with cross-eyed is kind of a misnomer because I looked up what strabismus actually is and it can actually take a multitude of appearances. Some of the other names I've heard used to describe the medical images of strabismus that I had seen were like a lazy eye. Mm -hmm. I've heard that one. Yes. So basically his eyes didn't both focus on the same thing is what I'm deducing from this anecdote. But none of the photos that I just showed Allie, and you guys can look on the Instagram, to look like his eyes have strabismus to me and I also read about it being apparently one of these conditions that you can treat and perhaps correct it to some extent but I'm not a fucking doctor and the (laughs) fact that I even had to spend this much time talking about this so that you guys wouldn't fucking piss your pants is stupid so now that we got that out of the way in his own biography Holmes admits that he was bullied in his youth by older boys the boys tortured him by telling him scary stories of decaying bodies and toxic mixtures hidden in the local doctor's office. The young Holmes was terrified of the doctor's office and the horrors within it. Then, the bullies dragged him into the doctor's office, where they had rigged a skeleton, no like an anatomical bone skeleton, up to scare him. When they opened the door and pushed him in there, the skeleton's arms reached out towards his face. Yeah,
0: fuck that. How old was he? A child. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would fucking suck.
1: Holmes saw the skeleton and he screamed. And he wrote about it in his biography. And he said that he was haunted by the image of the skeleton's wicked smile for years. Quote, It was a wicked and dangerous thing to do to a child of tender years and health. But it proved a heroic method of treatment, destined ultimately of curing me of my fears and to inculcate me in first a strong feeling of curiosity and later a desire to learn, which resulted years afterwards in my adopting medicine as a profession. So basically he's saying that bullying is valid and works. And also, it helped him to become a better person, but even though he's a serial killer. All right. He- I'm just going to accept it. <laughs> I'm going to accept that. All right. Whatever you think, H.H. H. Holmes that experience of the bullying with the doctor's office and him getting dragged in there and the skeleton reaching out towards him left such a wrinkle in his brain that he says it motivated him to become a doctor and also made him less afraid of death and diseases and all of those things that they had tried to scare him with. Because at this time in the late 1800s or 19th century, there wasn't a lot of knowledge about the body. And so doctors were sort of seen as scary things because Mm you they did a lot of work with cadavers like they would have to yeah. um, do like dissections of human bodies to learn more about them but you know that's fucking creepy as fuck even now in 2022 I'm like that's scary to me back then they were like what the fuck is wrong with these people
0: I also <laughs> feel like that's a cultural thing right because I was reading a reddit thread the other day where someone said hey was it just my school or do any of you remember having to dissect a frog in- and <laughs> (laughs) In health class and people were commenting being like oh yeah I had to dissect a frog I'm you know from the U.S. or oh I had to dissect a rodent I'm from you know Mexico or I had to dissect you know whatever and people were going through and then it got to some country in the former Soviet Union I don't remember which country it was and they were like wow you guys got to dissect animals we literally took a trip to the morgue and they dissected an old woman (gasps) in front of us
1: Oh my God, that is so scary. But also I would see photos of it if they have them.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Hey, right into us. Also, shout out to um, our Ukrainian listeners. I don't know if it's just because people are using VPNs, but uh, we've been in the top 100 podcasts in the Ukraine this entire month.
1: That's so haunted. What the fuck? Are you serious? Yeah.
0: So maybe people are listening to us right now. I yeah. don't know, you guys. Shout out Ukrainians.
1: Yeah, shout out Ukrainians.
0: I'll send us pictures if you have um, stuff from your childhood science class.
1: Holmes began to experiment with the dissection of animals. Finding little reptiles and other insects around dissecting them, and then after he does that, he moves on to larger animals, rabbits and dogs. He just picks up this real interest in anatomy. He has this comfort with dissection, really prevalent at a young age. According to an article for Ranker.com, quote, when Holmes was 11 years old, his childhood best friend, Tom, who was older, fell from the landing of an abandoned (sighs) home the two boys had been exploring. Holmes said that he saw Tom fall, but in hindsight, many believe that he could have been close enough to push Tom off of the landing. Fucked up red flag number two red, we're at like red flag number 17 the oh. first was that mustache <laughs> <laughs> i like that mustache the
0: walrus mustache i, I don't, don't know
1: something I, I about feel, it i feel you yeah it's like something weird about it but also i don't know there's something like interesting about it like, no, no
0: no a prospector's mustache is tight yeah a frenchman's curly mustache tight as fuck yeah a walrus mustache? I'm like, what are you hiding? The guy from Mythbusters has that. Oh. And he's cool, but also I'm like, have you murdered someone for an experiment before?
1: I don't know. He's hot. I think you're wrong. The Myth He's Buster? a Mythbuster. The Mythbuster
0: me- with the walrus mustache. You're you telling You think me- is hot.
1: You're telling me if someone came up to you that was one part of the duo the Mythbusters, you wouldn't smash immediately?
0: No. And here's why look at them (laughs) but they're (laughs) cool i would love to have a cocktail with both of those guys
1: they would just be full of such interesting stories stories yeah
0: but if you're banging them you don't get to hear the stories what do you think i would be like like,
1: dirty talk to me and they would be like did (gasps) you know that if you shoot a bullet into the water and you're 10 feet below the water (laughs) (laughs) it can't pierce you and then you're safe from the bullets and then you're like oh my god this is the
0: best night of my life
1: if you have steel-toed boots and something heavy (laughs) drops on your shoe it won't cut off your toe unless it's over one ton okay i see i see the appeal in 1875, Holmes was 14, and his grandfather died. He left him a piece of property. In Holmes's grieving process, he began bragging to a local girl that he was now a landowner, and he proposed that they get married and live on the land together. The girl accepted his proposal, but her parents did not, and they sent her out of the state, away from Holmes. This broke Holmes' heart. And he didn't recover from this until in 1877, almost two years later. He was about 16 years old. He graduated from high school from Exeter, Do you know what Exeter is? It sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. I would not know what it was, but the only reason I know what Exeter is is because there was a guy in my high school who left our school to go to Exeter and literally I never saw him again. Okay. (laughs) guess that's why they call it Exeter. (gasps) Sorry. So according to Wikipedia... Phillips Exeter Academy is a highly selective coeducational independent school for boarding and day students in grades Mm. 9 through 12. It's basically the oldest secondary school in the US. It's in Exeter, New Hampshire. It's among the most prestigious in the world. It's super, super hard to get into, like famously hard to get into. And they use the Harkness education system, which is basically where there's a table and the teacher sits with you at the table and everyone sits at the table and like has conversations and they do like conversational format of teaching where you have discussions, which sounds like you would have to be really intelligent to do that. Yeah. So I don't think I could go to that school. Yeah,
0: there's no like snoozing in the right. back of the class. I
1: can't update my Facebook status there. Right. Basically, it's a really selective school for only really, really smart people and he graduated there at 16. Also, it's the oldest school in America, basically. So you know that bitch is haunted. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Point of telling you that is that so you realize he's super, super smart. Right. After graduation, he begins taking some odd jobs because he graduated from Exeter. So he can go teach places. He has now some clout. Some reports state that while he was working on a local farm, he met and he fell in love with a 16-year-old girl named Clara. But other reports state that they had known each other much longer. I don't think this is relevant, but for some reason I feel like you like facts like this. I I do.
0: I like facts that have nothing to do with the story.
1: (laughs) And that's why I gave it to you. So here's a picture of Clara. Cute.
0: She's wearing outfit that reminds me of something that like a baby doll would wear. Like she looks, she has a baby doll vibe about her. She has a round face. She's got her hair up in a little braid. Yeah, I don't know. She's
1: like a Victorian queen. Yeah,
0: she's like a Victorian baby doll lady. Woman,
1: woman, child. Clara said of Holmes, quote, I always felt that he was pleasant in disposition, tender-hearted, much more so than people in general. Holmes was super in love with Clara. He was so in love that when he saw Clara flirting with another boy at the church social, he came up to the boy she was talking to, cornered him and threatened to beat him up if he didn't leave immediately. People who saw the incident said that the boy turned pale and just like immediately ran out of the church. That incident seemed to have a really positive effect on Clara because they were seen walking together arm in arm as he escorted her home from the church. And then the next day, he told his friends that he and Clara were engaged.
0: Was the Victorian era... Peak toxic masculinity? Who's to say? Is that masculinity? Toxic masculinity threatening to physically assault someone if they don't leave a girl that you don't
1: know whether or not she likes you alone? I didn't think of that as a masculine situation. But I guess so, yeah. I don't know, guys. Weigh in in the comments. No guy's ever done that for me. What the fuck? (laughs) So Clara and Holmes end up marrying on July 4th, 1878, but they kept their marriage a secret for months and they both just continued to live at their parents' houses separate. So it was like they weren't even married. So what's the point? I don't know. Apparently, when Holmes' parents found out that they were actually married... His mom wasn't impressed and she said, quote, "She couldn't have done much worse and will probably have to support you."
0: Oh, interesting. So his mom is saying like he's not good you're not good enough for Clara. Right. Which is interesting because I feel like most of the time the other moms
1: are like, oh, my child is perfect. Well, you're right? supposed to be on your child's team. Like, right. it's, it's not good either way to think your child is perfect or you should just have like a realistic view of your child. But I would say if you had to choose between the two, that is more harmful. Right.
0: Well, I guess I'm thinking like because we know he's a serial killer, he must right. be a sociopath or, or a narcissist right. or both. And most people that have that kind of mentality... And maybe I'm wrong mm-hmm. maybe this is like a totally wrong preconceived notion but I feel like they've been told their entire lives that they can't do anything wrong right so they like right. don't develop empathy and then think they can do whatever they want
1: yeah or maybe they interviewed the mom like after you know all the shit that I'm about to tell oh. you went down and then they were like what did you tell your son when he got married and she was like I told him that you are a fucked up kid and, and yeah and he, there's
0: you can't do anything right and you yeah. I knew you were going to become a serial killer. right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay Fair so, point.
1: she wasn't wrong Clara's father had arranged for homes to work in their family's grocery store, and nine months later, a baby was born. They had a son named Robert. That's like
0: a progressive <laughs> name for Victorian era. Victorian era is like, my name is Constable
1: Wilford. My name is Nottingham oh, Gregory. <laughs> William Schooner <laughs> Schooner. William Schooner Schatzburg. So they yeah, had have... not Robert. Can you guys follow the threads that we're talking about? Or is this just a clusterfuck? Can Comment you, below. Can you tell what time of day or night it is? So they have Robert in either Clara's money or the baby's birth or a combination of the two. Motivates Holmes to become an official doctor. He takes up an internship under Dr. White, which was the doctor from the office where the skeleton <laughs> scare event had happened six years earlier. Red flag, fucking number three. After his internship with the doctor, Holmes went on to med school in Burlington, Vermont. Clara and the baby go to live with her parents, which to me suggests that perhaps they broke up. But maybe not. Maybe she was like, oh, I'm having a baby. It's a bitch to have a baby. You need parents and stuff like that to help you. And if your
0: husband is like doing some residency or in med school, like he's not around.
1: Yeah. And also like all that doctor stuff is scary. Like,
0: yeah. um, Bad energy.
1: While Holmes was in Vermont, he lived his life as a single man. He was rumored to sleep with so many women that people sort of began to see him as like a ladies man.
0: A womanizer, A if womanizer, you will. yes. In the words of Britney Spears. Womanizer,
1: womanizer.
0: You're a womanizer.
1: <laughs> he had a lot of relationships. He even had one relationship with his landlord's daughter... Which appeared to become so serious that they were reportedly engaged. Mm. Apparently, Holmes' roommate revealed to the landlord that his daughter's new fiance was already married, and Holmes punished his roommate by giving him a black eye and scratching his face.
0: (sighs) That's rough because, like, you don't, if the girl didn't know about it, you don't want her going into this situation flying blind. But at the same time, it's like, do I want to put my nose in a situation that doesn't involve me you just got to move out yeah you do you just have to move out and be like all right well I can't go to that school anymore
1: the reverse (laughs) situation if you ever meet someone you're seeing's roommate and they're super cold towards you or just move out as soon as they see you that person you're seeing is cheating on you and they (gasps) are nervous (laughs) wow
0: please write in your haunted cheating stories to let's get haunted pod at gmail.com
1: only if they're really good I don't want sad shit guys oh no
0: no no. i want like the crazy shit that was sad at the time but like now you look back on and you're like that was insane and resulted in a ghost and like a (laughs) rip in the time space (laughs) continuum
1: There are also reports that Holmes had an additional engagement while he was in med school, which was cut short because his fiance found a letter in his mail that was signed, quote, your wife, Clara.
0: So he did this to now this is three women, one landlord's daughter two his wife. Three,
1: this other girl. Right. Having a letter in your mail that signed your wife, Clara, finding that is like the 1800s equivalent of like going through your man's phone and finding out that you're the side bitch.
0: That's how into H.H. Holmes this lady was because she was willing to commit a federal crime. Tampering with With someone's someone's mail mail is a felony. And she knew in her heart of hearts that something was not right with this guy. And she committed a felony to (laughs) avoid Continuing that relationship.
1: Maybe she was a bad girl and that's what he liked about her. I stand. His fiance finds out that he's married through this letter. And she goes and she tells the medical school. She tries to get him in trouble, citing a breach of promise. Which I don't know why they would care about that. So she tells the medical school and he's like, no, 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 she's lying. The medical school believes him and acquits him at his graduation as he's handed his diploma he looks the person who's handing his diploma in the eye the person who acquitted him and he says quote doctor the things that woman said about me are true boom right but also why admit that at that point I don't know. You've already, you've made it. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, this guy, like, we don't know what's true and what's not true. Well, that
0: Oh, that's true, because this, probably this information comes from him. Some of it does. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, how reliable of a narrator is he? In
1: 1882, Clara and the baby decide to move back in with Holmes as he attends the University of Michigan Medical School. Their relationship during this time is super toxic, they fought a lot Clara was seen with black eyes multiple times oh. eventually Clara and the baby Robert leave homes. they go move back in with her parents this is like the unofficial official end of their marriage they don't formalize the divorce but they don't get back together this move most likely saved Clara and her son's life. Soon after she and the baby leave, Holmes begins his red flag number five, using dead bodies to commit insurance fraud.
0: That's a pretty big red flag. So does he write phony death certificates making himself the beneficiary to receive riches?
1: No. Oh. It's it's a little bit more um hands-on than that.
0: Wait, is he doing a body snatching
1: situation? Yes. <gasps> he steals cadavers from the University of Michigan's medical lab. He makes the bodies unrecognizable by mangling or burning <gasps> the remains. In the meantime, he takes out insurance policies on those bodies. He poses as a relative and collects the money on the life insurance policies of those bodies after they're found and deemed accidental deaths. They don't know who the actual people were because they're so badly disguised.
0: It's a combination of like the worst things ever.
1: Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Branching off of that insurance fraud scheme, he begins to actually steal bodies from graves and morgues and sells them to medical schools. Some of those bodies he decides to keep for his own research and dissection, which is red flag number six to me. Like sure, like stealing bodies to get money. It's fucking scary, but like getting money is normal. So that's fine. Right. Like that seems like a normal human motive to have. Mm -hmm. However, just... Taking some of those bodies and keeping them for your own research and dissection is like sketch. That's
0: super sketch. And as we learned in the cremation and body farms episode of Let's Get Haunted, some people keep those remains or pieces of them to do weird experiments with, like sewing them together in a weird Frankenstein monster.
1: You're about to learn real knowledge that will probably come up in conversation later in life and make you sound intelligent. Are you ready?
0: All right. I'm ready
1: for that. During the 19th century, there was a medical boom. The dissection of human cadavers was the main tool that doctors used to learn about human anatomy. There was also an increase in demand for human cadavers for use in medical colleges. Dissection and anatomy demos was how teachers taught students at that time. Okay, But the problem was that there were no volunteers that donated their bodies to science. It's not like it is these days. At that time, having your body dissected after death was considered a fate worse than death. It's all because of this one very specific thing that happens. Before the 19th century, most of the bodies that were used for dissection were bodies of executed criminals because the Murder Act of 1752 said that murdered criminals could be used for science after they die. Their oh. bodies would go to science okay, uh, because they're murderers and we don't care if they want us to or not. Right. After a body was hanged at the gallows, medical students would be standing under the gallows as the body was still swinging from the noose, arguing and fighting over who would get to dissect the body. Oh my God. That scene was burned into the public's mind. It just made people fear the anatomist as much as the executioner.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense because it seems subhuman, right? Right. To be cheering on someone's death and then so gleefully wanting to cut it apart and rip it apart right it's like are you the you're the murderer right you're doing what that person did if that person is being executed for stabbing someone right and then now you're essentially stabbing that person's body then you are the executioner and you're a phony (laughs)
1: The shortage of corpses meant that medical examiners just, like, didn't really care where their bodies came from. It was sort of like a don't ask, don't tell situation where they were like, hey, this seems sort of sketch, but you know what? If I don't ask questions, then I won't get in trouble. Right. So bodies become a commodity... Each body would receive between eight to 10 guineas, which is roughly 560 to 700 pounds per body, which is like a thousand to 1400 US dollars per body, which was like literally George Washington made $25,000 a year. So if you were to take like 10 to 20 bodies, you would be richer than George Washington, depending. Wow. Body snatchers, grave robbers, and resurrectionists all took advantage of that lucrative trade, and that had a cultural reset effect. The practices of these body snatchers caused widespread fear and revulsion as the indignities and humiliation of exhumation were compounded by the horror of being the subject of one of these dissections. So not only were you going to get dissected, which was the which was fucked up, which was worse than death, according to these people's hot brains. But also you were going to be dug up by a body snatcher so that you were going to get dug up by a body snatcher and then you were going to get anatomized. No, fuck no. So that was another reason that people really saw Holmes as even scarier back then. And here's just a photo of medical students with a cadaver in the 19th century that has really um, no relation to the story. But we we can pretend that these were like like medical students that um, he would see if you want to describe that. Yeah,
0: this just looks like, okay, one, two, three, four, five. It's six dudes some of them are looking at the body some of them are looking at the camera they all look way too happy none of them are wearing you know scrubs or masks or gloves it doesn't seem sterile it seems like everyone is just like super pumped to be there Mm -hmm. hold it's it's almost like you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of those pictures of guys on tinder who like to hunt and And then it's holding up a deer's head yeah and they're in the middle of the forest and they're holding up a deer's head and they're like look at this thing i just shot except for in this case it's a skinned human
1: a flex to them it's like a huge flex yeah to be like look at me i'm, I'm gonna be a doctor school. yeah i have a cadaver here which is like a hot commodity this is the equivalent of like posting a photo of you like kneeling in front of a lamborghini
0: yeah it's gross it seems like very immoral and like a lack of respect for human life and who that person was in life
1: sorry but just to think of like a person Kneeling in front of a Lamborghini and then you're like, it just seems like a very immoral lack of respect for human life. These dead bodies that he's body snatching are paying Holmes's bills. According to reports, the wife of the owner of the boarding house that Holmes is staying in at this time while he's in medical school... Why I don't know, why does it say the wife of the owner of the boarding house? Why can't it just say the fucking owner of the boarding house? Yeah,
0: wouldn't she also be the owner? Like, community property.
1: Yeah, fuck this thing. The owner of the boarding house that Holmes was staying in once noticed this strange smell coming from Holmes' room. She goes up there, and she follows the smell, and it leads to underneath his bed, and she looks under his bed, and she sees... An infant corpse. No. Obviously she freaks out about this, and Holmes is like, No, 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 this is just a misunderstanding. You see, I'm like dissecting these infant corpses for homework for my medical classes. And she's like, Uh, okay, well just don't bring any more dead bodies into this boarding house ever again. Oh my god. But that didn't stop him. He begins getting even more into dissection during this time because he's living like without any sort of ramifications. He's no longer in this relationship with his ex-wife and baby. He's just like doing his whole life the way he wants to. He brings home infant corpses from the University of Michigan for his spring break. He brings them into his room to dissect them. It's reported that he loved to cut into the flesh and pull apart the muscles and organs and his medical school peers testified that he had an interest in dissection and they said that it was unnatural and unnerving who's to say if it actually was to them while they were all doing their doctor stuff but then like he became a serial killer and they were like no 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 actually he his dissection was really weird mine's normal no He's that's a good point weird.
0: yeah that's a good point because if you're gonna be a doctor you know you're gonna have some interest in human anatomy and how the body works and when yeah. you're taking apart a corpse you're probably thinking to yourself wow that's so interesting like this is how this muscle connects to this and right. blah 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 and that doesn't mean you're a serial killer we need doctors yeah. as a society to fucking stay alive yeah. But you're right. Hindsight's 2020, So now they're probably trying to separate themselves from that and be like, no, no, no. no. I was dissecting the body in a much different way right. than H.H.
1: H. Holmes was. Yeah. I wasn't taking a flex picture in my bowler hat. I
0: was treating this very seriously. <laughs> and he had a glimmer in his eye that I certainly didn't have. William Schooner Schaffberg. <laughs> the fourth. <laughs>
1: So by the end of med school, Holmes is super broke. He had debt from med school and all his living expenses. Although he worked like a variety of odd jobs, including teaching school and even working as a doctor for a while in New York, it wasn't paying enough for his scam lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So he racks up a great deal of debt during this time. He has a lot of creditors chasing him around. One of his favorite scams to do is to buy something on credit and then not pay it back, but sell it and keep the cash. So he had a lot of like... People trying to find him, and because this was the 19th century, it was kind of easy to get away with things like that. They're like, "Oh, this person like handwrit in my ledger that says they owe me a hundred dollars." Right. You could probably put a fake name, and nobody would really know. Right. Exactly. Like everyone already is wearing a disguise. Bowler hats and a mustache is like literally the meme disguise, and that's what everyone (laughs) looked like. He also made up a bunch of excuses to default on his rent. Around this time, we. start to imagine that Holmes becomes desperate okay okay it's not a far stretch for us to believe that perhaps Holmes begins committing life insurance fraud with the living during this time oh evidence to support this theory is that while in New York he proposed to two more women one of the women backed out she wrote quote There's something lurking in that man's character that time will reveal. I do not like him. I firmly believe that he would commit murder. End quote.
0: Listen to women. Right? We know. I
1: know, right? Except
0: for when we're the serial killers.
1: (laughs) It's 1900, so no one believed that.
0: She was so ahead of her time.
1: They were like, wow, she's being really emotional about him being able to commit murder. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a man's right to body snatch.
1: (laughs) While in New York, a rumor also spread that Holmes had been seen with a little boy who later disappeared. Holmes told everyone that the boy just went back home in Massachusetts, so no investigation took place after Holmes skipped town in the middle of the night, which seems related He defaulted on all his bills in New York as well. He even swindled the price of his train ticket to leave that town.
0: It just seems like he could have just taken the easier choice, which is be a doctor, make hella money for the time, don't default on your loans. And don't be a scam artist. And guess what? You get to sometimes murder people, and nobody will know. <laughs> and also, you get to dissect corpses. Congratulations, you found your ideal career path, and you don't have to go to jail.
1: Right? Wow, that's really not where I thought you were going with that. But you know what? It took a turn that I like supported. Okay. Seriously, it's being realistic because he's yeah. a super smart person. So yeah. it's like, why? Why are you gambling with your um, with your life? but maybe it's because he was so smart he was like wow these people are literally so dumb I just showed up in their town and I'm like give me a place to rent I and don't give have me any your money. little
0: boy and yeah.
1: goodbye after that he goes to Philadelphia and he takes a job as a bookkeeper at Norristown Haunted. State Hospital but he quits after a few days to me, I'm thinking, like, wh- what did he do there? Maybe he, while he was being a bookkeeper there, he was able to get more of the names of, you know, people who came through or more identities or steal more corpses. I don't know. Why else would a body snatcher work as a bookkeeper at a state hospital yeah. for a few days? No,
0: it sounds like he was trying to get close to, right. you know, perhaps Something. body parts. Yeah. Something.
1: He goes to work at a drugstore in Philadelphia, and while he's working there, a boy died after taking medicine that had been purchased in the store. We don't know if it was because of Holmes. Holmes denied any involvement in the child's death, and then he immediately left the city for Minneapolis. Who gets engaged, like, eight times before the age of 20?
0: This is honestly just, like, teaching me that if you're a cheater, you have the potential to also be a murderer who dissects baby bodies and hides them under your bed.
1: Wow. Wow. Straight to jail. In addition to the insurance fraud scheme, Holmes also discovered that engagement was a lucrative business. So in 1886, after he moves to Minneapolis, he's essentially a new man. Although he was still legally married to Clara and he had a mountain of debt, the late 1800s were really easy to commit identity fraud in. So he goes to Minneapolis and he kind of like looks around and he meets this really rich young woman named Myrna Belknap, who was also married at the time. She was kind of a socialite. So what I'm forgetting to mention here, but it's sort of implied, is that people thought that Holmes was hot like he was like really charming to women yeah, they he had a he big
0: mustache he was a doctor he's worldly
1: he's super worldly he's like oh I've lived in like every town in the past six months I can't believe I
0: found this you know we've all been there where right. you're like you meet someone on a dating app and right. they're they seem too good to be true and you're like wow what a hidden gem that I've found right yeah. and it's like no there's a reason why they're there <laughs>
1: Holmes meets this young, rich woman. She's married at the time, but who the fuck cares? It didn't matter. He was married at the time. You know? Who the fuck cares? Yeah, who the fuck cares? Everyone's married. (laughs) People also said that she was plain looking, but Holmes married her anyway. me too. Welcome aboard. I actually, I like never understood the insult of being plain looking. I feel like that's like, preferred
0: that's like the dream when you're in middle school right. and you just don't want people to notice you yeah. You're just like oh my god please let me not be the person just that blend. gets bullied like yeah. blend blend let me be plain right please. like let me
1: just look like an amalgamation of every single person here yeah
0: like take every generic body part and like morph them together like an anamorph
1: right that's what i want to look like so I people do not will want- leave me alone yes i don't want any like standout traits
0: right like do i have a nose yep That's it. That's all you can say.
1: Here's a picture of her. She
0: looks fine. What's wrong with her?
1: I know. I'm mad
0: about this. She looks great. That's what... She's plain. That's good. She has a... She has face.
1: You know what? She has hair. I prefer plain because I like to adorn.
0: Dress it up with makeup. Right. That's what I think. And it's like, I think that all the time. Kendall Jenner's pretty and she's plain.
1: Yeah. We can say that and that's fine.
0: I'm... I'm jealous. I wish I looked right. like
1: her. I wish I was that kind of plain. If I could wear a shirt and have all the buttons button and then like there not just be a hole that goes to like the center the boob of my area. Tits, yeah, yeah. That like a gap. Yeah, that's great.
0: Although I do feel like some of that is just that celebrities get everything tailored.
1: Right. No, no, no. It's a nuanced conversation and I'm not gonna attempt to do um tailor erasure in this conversation. <laughs> I hope people
0: are listening to this and are not taking anything we say too seriously. It's basically midnight. We're doing our best. We're
1: doing our best. I'm trying to like hammer out this episode really fast because I have like my um, babysitter watching the baby right now and I have to get back soon. So that's why we're just going through this all very fast, you guys. But this is
0: very entertaining. I love episodes like this. These are my favorite episodes.
1: Right. Because
0: where else can you hear about H.H. Holmes? And Taylor Erasure. Whoa. (laughs) No. nowhere
1: so they have a daughter according to sources Holmes filed for divorce from Clara like right after he gets married to this woman when we look at the paperwork it looks like perhaps it was never filed and Clara was never even like alerted to this so it could have been a situation where he like took this paperwork home and he was like look I'm divorcing my wife see this Uh. and then was just like huh she saw what she needed to saw live laugh love yeah In 1886, Holmes changes his name from Mudgett to Henry Howard Holmes to throw off the creditors from his insurance Mm -hmm. scams, Mm -hmm. and then him and Murda moved to Chicago. While in Chicago, Holmes goes to work at this place called Holton's Drugstore. Dr. Edward Holton was a fellow Michigan alumni only a few years older than Holmes. Holmes proved himself to be a hardworking employee, but perhaps a bit too hardworking. When Dr. Edward Holton passed away, his widowed wife was the new owner of the Holton drugstore. Holmes somehow convinced the widowed wife to let him buy the store and move to California. Mm. The widow soon went missing and was never seen again. Mm -hmm. Holmes claimed that she moved to California to be with family, but this was never verified. Other reports say that this is false and that Dr. Holton was actually the wife and her husband was a longshoreman and so she became pregnant and she decided to sell the uh, pharmacy to Holmes so that she and her husband could go ri- uh, live out the rest of their lives and they actually lived in the neighborhood in Chicago well into the 20th century. However, who the fuck knows what's true yeah, and what's who's, true.
0: who's to say? Maybe
1: both. Maybe it was like a glitch in the matrix situation.
0: Look, our ability to track people was clearly not great. Right. This guy had changed his identity. 17 times, despite putting no effort into his appearance. Right. He had the same walrus mustache the whole time. Yeah. So I'm just saying nobody seemed to notice that he was the same guy. Perhaps these people just moved a house over and everyone was like, it's a mystery. Where'd they go?
1: I think everyone had the walrus mustache. It was like the equivalent of like, you know, your middle school dream you were just talking about where you were like, I just want to be so plain that people are like, she has a face. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like he had that face, like that 1900s face. Mm. So this pharmacy becomes a huge success. And interestingly enough, most of the clientele are beautiful women. These beautiful women are often seen by Dr. Holmes, and they Uh um, flock in by the trainful, end quote. What? Belknap's parents give Holmes enough money to purchase a vacant lot in Chicago, and he purchases a lot that's across from the drugstore. To keep creditors off the trail, he puts the deed for the lot under the name of his new wife and her mother. Construction on this lot began in 1887 for a two-story mixed-use building that would come to be known as the Murder Castle. Oh! Apartments would be on the second floor, and retail spaces and a new drugstore would be on the first floor. The building had some really uh, special design features. Between the first and second floor, there was a hidden compartment floor. So there was actually a hidden floor between one and two, making the total three stories, even though it only looked from the outside to be two stories. There was also a staircase between floors that was only accessible through a hidden trap door in the second story bathroom, which was where Holmes lived. Here's a photo of that building.
0: That's really cool. I mean, it looks like three floors. What am I missing here? The bottom floor is that thing that says used something. I can't read from this far away. The second floor has those windows and the third floor has those windows.
1: Yeah, I don't know. People were just really dumb back then.
0: (laughs) People are just looking at the building and they're like, well, that looks like three floors. And then H.H. Holmes in his walrus mustache and his bowler hat carrying the corpse of a baby like (laughs) peeks out of a window. And he's like, no, it's only two. And people are like, oh, okay. I believe him. He's a doctor and a learner. And man
1: so Holmes like of course does his scammer life on this building and it's really interesting what he did so he basically declines to pay all of the contractors who built this building mm. and so they sue him in 1888 but despite this lawsuit he just continues hiring new contractors to continue constructing the building and he hires and fires so many different construction crews So that none of them would actually know like the floor plan fully of what he's building.
0: That's interesting.
1: And then he could also claim that they had like improper workmanship and he fired all of them. So he would have some people build like a room and then fire them because they're doing improper workmanship. It's not good enough. And then have someone else come in and build a different room. Improper workmanship. Not enough. Come to the end of the building. He never paid for any of it.
0: That's insane. But I guess that goes to show you what like the pre Yelp era was. Because right. now if somebody did that, you'd like post a review and be like, Hey, don't go work on this building that's being built because he does this. Like he's a serial he's a
1: scammer. Scammer. Right. So I think back in these times, like a lot of your um Integrity And your success Depended on your word And your reputation In town Right Yeah So like People didn't really trust Someone who was new That came into town And this is why
0: Well and also Now that you've said that okay maybe none of these people who were hired and fired wanted to necessarily publicize oh a client thought I did substandard work you know they're just cutting their losses they're like okay this guy's insane but I don't want people to think I do substandard work so I'm just going to move on to the next client and not like race a fuss
1: right and if he's like oh you did this fixture wrong I'm not going to pay you yeah they would be like oh that's right sir you we always stand by our work yeah
0: the customer's always right right
1: exactly like I guarantee we'll fix it for you you next time and also he's like sort of posing as this rich man yeah so it's point. sort of a greed situation where people are like oh I really I just signed the contract to build this big building mm-hmm. and I want to take this contract even though this guy doesn't really have a good reputation or I don't really know him because I want to get this big payout this big check yeah.
0: yeah and who knows what the economic situation of the town was like that back then right yeah. so maybe there's not a lot of jobs in new construction. And so these people are just like stoked to be getting a job.
1: Well, no. Actually, so Chicago at this time was like a boom city. They had just built a railroad that was coming in. Oh, uh, well. And there was like this huge influx of like new people coming in.
0: But maybe those new people are starting from nothing. And they're they trying are. to establish themselves they as are. reliable contractors. So they're desperate for jobs. And they see this rich guy. And they're like, I'm going to like make a name for myself by building this mansion.
1: Right. It was like sort of this perfect storm of... um requirements for bullshit bullshit yeah well you had the city that was sort of coming up out of its infancy and turning into um, like a, a big metropolitan area you had all of these new train systems and stuff coming in there that were bringing people in from places like Kentucky and places like Oklahoma and places where people wanted to go to the big city to have a lifestyle change mm-hmm. and they needed temporary housing which which is why he was building this building. Oh. A few years from now, the World's Fair would end up being in Chicago. So like this was like a really up and coming city. People who lived in the neighborhood said that the structure was really ugly and really large. And the structure ended up containing more than 100 rooms and it stretched over an entire block. The first floor of the castle was all shops. The third floor was residential and a boarding house. But the second floor was a maze of horrors which included asphyxiation chambers, dissection rooms, prison cells, traps that led to nowhere, doors that opened to closed walls, windows that opened into chutes that went down into the basement. It was a fucked up place.
0: That just reminds me of the Mushem Castle episode where there was that trap door that they would just shove oh, people down, and they
1: just like fell, fell and like, break broke. all their legs. Yeah, it's fucked. There were also hinged walls on the second floor and false partitions. Some rooms had five doors, and other rooms had no doors at all. Which how do you even get in there?
0: Yeah, even if this man wasn't a murderer, he'd still be a psycho, right? Like just for building that. <laughs>
1: There were also airless chambers which were found under the floorboards, and there were iron plate lined walls that appeared to stifle sound from within them. Oh
0: my God, he was a podcaster?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Even worse. In his own apartment, he had a bathroom that had a trap door in it. And when he opened up the trap door, it was just a fucking staircase (laughs) down into a hidden basement. And it went and that basement went into what is known as a windowless cubicle. No. In that windowless cubicle, there was allegedly just a huge chute that tunneled through to the basement. And he told people that it was just for laundry. Like, oh yeah, like I built this laundry chute. Um, you have to go through a trap door, down a staircase, into a basement, through into a Into an chute. airless
0: chamber. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's for laundry. One of the rooms that people talk about when they talk about the castle is the one that was lined with the gas fixtures. In that room, Holmes apparently would put his victims in there and flip a switch that was in an adjacent room and then gas them while they were in there. How do you even how (sighs) there was another chute that was really nearby, so people surmised that after he gassed people, he would put their body through that (sighs) chute. All of the doors and some of the steps in the stairs were connected to this intricate alarm system so that if somebody stepped into the hall or headed downstairs, a buzzer would sound in his bedroom so he would know.
0: I can't believe this is real. This is crazy.
1: I know. After dropping victims down through those chutes, People say that he dissected the bodies, cleaned them, and then sold the organs and skeletons to medical institutions or on the black market.
0: Oh my God.
1: The Tribune described in a 1937 article, quote, "'Oh, what a queer house it was. In all America, there was none other like it. Its chimneys stuck out where chimneys should never stick out. Its stairways ended nowhere in particular.'" Winding passages brought the uninitiated with a frightful jerk back to where they had started from. There were rooms that had no doors. There were doors that had no rooms. A mysterious house it was indeed, a crooked house, a reflex of the builder's own distorted mind. In that house occurred dark and eerie deeds." Doesn't that sound like a fucked up Dr. Seuss book? Yeah,
0: it does. Haunted architecture, right? Which I remember you talked about in the staircase episode, staircase in the woods. Like there's something eerie about bad feng shui or like when you did the willow's weep episode with that house built in an upside down cross. Like there's something about houses that are built in a way that doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. that is creepy and haunted, even if nothing haunted has happened there. And then now finding out that something haunted did happen there like it's just double haunted it's like double jeopardy but right haunted
1: after construction was completed on the castle in 1891 Holmes began placing ads in the Chicago newspapers offering jobs to young women he placed ads as a new boarding house within the castle that was looking for tenants he also placed more ads that presented himself as a wealthy man looking for a wife all of holmes's new employees fiancés and even some of the hotel and boarding house residents were required to have life insurance policies with holmes or one of his aliases as the beneficiary not long after people started to disappear here are some drawings of the castle. So
0: Natalia is showing me some drawings of the home's castle starting with the second floor. If you'd like to follow along with us, you can look at at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram where she's going to post the photo dump for this episode. Yeah, it just looks like a labyrinth. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's just a labyrinth of rooms that lead to rooms that lead to trap doors that lead to hallways that lead to dead ends that lead to a dark room to a secret chamber right like it doesn't make any sense and then the second drawing she is showing me is a color version it looks like a more modern cartoony version of that architectural plan and then the third photo is an architectural plan it looks like yeah that does not bode well for anyone to be near Right? I feel like if I lived across the street from that, I'd be haunted.
1: Well, that's why people called it the castle. They yeah. Were like, it's fucking weird. Yeah. They,
0: th- that's interesting, though, because even though the perception was that he was a very wealthy and successful man building this, like, elaborate home, mm-hmm. people at the time were still like, no, this is an eyesore. Fuck this.
1: Right. They were like, oh, tacky new money.
0: Yeah. They could sense that it was a Jiko Bukin, some oh, might say.
1: If you don't yeah. know what we're talking about, episode five, no time to explain. Now we're at the portion of our episode where we are at the end of our episode, but it's not quite the end, guys. What? Yeah. What I'm talking about is called part one. <gasps> is this our first ever two-part episode? Yes. Oh, Hell yes. So next week we're going to get into all of the crazy fucking fucked up shit that happened in this castle, which you would not even believe.
0: I'm glad that we're splitting this into two parts because I already feel like I'm going to throw up from how um, terrifying this story is. Right. Right so thank you for giving me a little bit of a breather
1: it's interesting too because i'm leaving a lot of the scams out because it's like there's just too many there's too many oh wow! like he's like literally getting engaged to all of these people changing his name all the time like he would be married to someone else and then he would be telling girls on the side like oh yeah like i'm engaged like well let's get engaged oh yeah take out a life insurance policy then they go missing whatever we don't even know what happened (sighs) he did like weird ass shit all the time and they had this thing back then that was called promissory notes which is basically like an iou it's like and and for some reason fucking businesses and shit like accepted them one of his scams he did was like he would go up to a store like let's say a gas station he would go to a gas station And he would be like, "Okay, I'm going to buy this gas station." He would put down like fifty dollars, and then he would do the rest in promissory notes, which is like, "Okay, I'll pay this down like as time goes on." Right. And then he would um, pose as someone else. And show up to that gas station and be like, hey, I'm really interested in buying this gas station. They would be like, oh, someone else is already going to buy it. And he would be like, oh, that's weird. Uh, Oh, okay." And then he would go to a gas supplier and would be like, hey, I am opening up a new gas station and uh, to compete with the old gas station. And uh, I really want to buy it, but I can't afford to because this other person's buying it. If you loan me the money, I'll make you the main supplier of gas at oh, the gas station. Oh, interesting. And so then the gas supplier is like, oh, okay, yeah, like we'll do that for you. And then he's like, oh, great, awesome. And then um, they give him the money and then they go to like check out the new gas station where they're going to be the main supplier. And it's like boarded up and no one's there. It's, and it was all a trick.
0: It sounds like if he were born in modern times, he would just be like the top seller of LuLaRoe or like some other MLM right? business. Like yeah. he was really figuring out, like he would be the top of a pyramid scheme.
1: Right, like he was all about appearances. Like, look at me, look how much mustache I have.
0: I have a lot of mustache. You've right. never seen this much mustache. Yeah. I have a hat. It's pretty nice. I went to a school
1: yeah. And he would be like, I have a castle.
0: I've been engaged eight times. <laughs> and rather than that being a red flag, I'd like you to think that perhaps I'm just so desirable right. that they proposed to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was just like out there flaunting himself. And, and, um, you know, people who are attracted to someone who's like posing as a wealthy man looking for a wife, I think that they're just so motivated at that time to... That they they like ignore all the red flags. Well, that's
0: true because I suppose as as a woman, you probably didn't have a lot of options, right? Right. Like you're just looking for someone, especially if you came from like a uh, middle class or poorer family. Even you're probably just trying to find someone that is a step above, right?
1: Right. And so you're you're coming from uh like Kentucky on like you're leaving your family to the big city to Chicago. And you meet this, you know, uh, young. or uh, You meet this guy who's appears to have a bunch of money and is has it all a wife, together. Has it all together. He's super nice. He, you know, and you are like, yeah. okay, I am about to, um, you know, get let's get dissected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Next episode will be part two. Stay mad. <laughs> I am just kidding.
0: Brb, gotta go get dissected
1: no you can't do that try again
0: brb gotta go name my firstborn child william schooner Shatsburg the fourth junior um esquire
1: so you're also a scammer because he's the first that's right
0: hey wait has anyone ever done that before you just name your child the fourth even though there was no third second or first
1: i did that to my cat he was Meowis johnston aloysius the third
0: well there you go iconic
1: (laughs) Bye. bye